Well, we're starting a new sermon series today, which is always exciting for pastors anyway. But before we dive into that, um, a couple of things that you may have noticed on the seat uh, when you came in or on your row. Um, The first is a devotional, Woman of God devotional, that um, is a gift to you. We celebrate all uh, ladies, all mothers today, uh, as Pastor Sandy so uh, beautifully articulated. We know that, that Mother's Day sometimes comes with some complications, and yet for, the, for those uh, that, that are here today to celebrate, we are here today to celebrate, and to celebrate moms, and to celebrate women who have influenced us. And so um, if you have somebody in mind that you think would be blessed by that, feel free to pick an extra one up on your way out and share that with them um, as, as a gift from Linwood. And uh, also, uh, we finally got our annual report books in a day late. Uh, so they came on Monday, and we had hoped to put these out last week, uh, but we want you to have one now in case you missed the paper copy or in case you want one that's in the booklet like the ones that we've had in the past. If you missed our annual uh, local church conference, which is an annual meeting, sort of a report to the church, and uh, if you items of business, um, we would encourage you to read through this and to use this as an outreach tool as well. If there's somebody you've been inviting to church on a regular basis and they, they don't come, you say, here, I just want to share this with you. There might be something in there that would draw them in and help them to see what's happening at Linwood. You can also go to our YouTube page and watch the video from last, year's, or last week's uh, local church conference. Um, So, with that in mind, uh, we are starting a new sermon series today titled Living and Loving. And the idea is uh, to figure out and look at God's Word, especially the New Testament, but we'll also sprinkle a few psalms in there from our Banding Together reading journal. So if you're in that, you'll be reading along with us. If you're not, you can show up for church and hear a sermon series that still stitches together, even if you haven't been doing the daily chapter um, each week or each day throughout the week. And the idea here is to look at God's Word for insights in how we live together in peace and how we love each other as Jesus commanded us. Uh, There's only one command in the new covenant. After he instituted the the Lord's Supper, uh, he said, a new command I give you. And that was a new covenant in the Lord's Supper and a new command, and that command is to love one another. Now, the rest of the New Testament and Paul's letters and the doctrine that we get through the book of Acts and, and other New Testament writings flesh out what it looks like to love one another. But at, at the very basic level, the foundational level, it's all built on love. And we see that um, in the, the death of Christ, and we see that uh, in Paul's letters, and we see that, as we're going to see today, in the lives of mothers that model for us living and loving in a sacrificial way that represents uh, Christ in so many ways. So today we're going to look at a a message titled, A Mother's Love, and we're going to look at insights on loving well that we see represented in mothers, and we'll use Romans chapter 12 as a guide as we sort of walk through this great, great chapter of Scripture. I've said before, Romans 12 is one of my favorite chapters in Scripture, so much so that I did a whole series on Romans 12 this past fall titled, Plan B. And you might have been around for that. If you aren't or you weren't around for that, you can find it on our website. You can go to our YouTube page and catch those messages which dive deeper into this. Um, but today, we're going to look at this specifically through the lens of motherhood. And I had originally planned just to focus on verses 9 through 12. But the, the last time I went through this in the past week, 
I started to see the whole chapter through the lens of motherhood and, and see how mothers really exemplify uh, some of the things that are discussed here in Romans chapter 12. So I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to open it up to Romans chapter 12. We're going to camp out right there all sermon long. So um, you can just keep a thumb in that one. And we are celebrating moms and the way that God's love is manifested and revealed through them. And so if you're not a mom, you're not off the hook. Guys, uh, non-moms, we can learn a lot from this as well. And we can learn uh, just as well from the way that Paul instructs these new believers in Christ, both Jewish believers and Gentile believers that were trying to exist peacefully together, trying to live and love well in the city of Rome almost 2,000 years ago. We can learn a lot from them as well, because honestly, these are marching orders for all of us. We're just going to view them through the lens of motherhood. So if we get started in Romans uh, chapter 12, verse 1, we're going to see the sacrifice of a mother's love. And I've broken this up into four chunks. We'll have the sacrifice of a mother's love, the humility of a mother's love, the spiritual gifts of a mother's love, and the actions of a mother's love. But let's start with the sacrifice of a mother's love. In verses 1 and 2, Paul says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so right at the beginning there, that command to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. As believers, we're to do this for God. This is our spiritual, or some translations say our reasonable act of worship. And it contrasts with the Old Testament, which was rooted in dying sacrifices. You would bring the firstborn from among your flocks, and they would be slaughtered as a sacrifice unto the Lord. And he's saying, Old Covenant old sacrifices, new covenant, new sacrifice. Now it's a living sacrifice. Now you wake up every day and you lay your life down to the Lord and you live your life for Him, for Christ, for God. And you make your body a living sacrifice. And we don't see this anywhere more clearly than in the pregnancy, delivery, and nursing of a mother. They, they make their bodies a living sacrifice. They lay their bodies down and literally take up, let another person, another human being take up residence in them. And then if you've ever witnessed childbirth, you know it is a major sacrifice. And many of the moms in the room have experienced this. And then nursing, where you're, you're on the hook for the sustenance of another human being. And now I've experienced firsthand the childbirth miracle four times and seeing a new life come into the world, and the sacrifice that is involved is miraculous. The whole event is miraculous to me. You say, how, how can this be apart from God? It's, it's just amazing, and it goes against the pattern of this world, you know, the pattern of this world that, that really says, you know, it's, it's all about me. It's all about you. Have it your way, right away, all the time, and moms say, no, I'm going to set myself aside for the life of another. And it also occurred to me on this first point that even if 
your mother struggled to love and nurture you as she should have. She did this, and she did this for you. She made her body a living sacrifice in order to bring you into the world. And she may have threatened to take you out of it a time or two, as moms have been known to do. But even if mom struggled in some way or another, she did this for you. And she brought you into this world. And she laid herself and her will aside in order for you to come. So there is the sacrifice of a mother's love that we see in these first couple of verses. And then in verses 3 through 5, we see the humility of a mother's love. Paul writes, for the grace for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each, us, each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others." And when you think about the humility of a mother's love, it's important to understand what humility really is. C.S. Lewis has famously said, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. And we see this in a mother's love. We see thinking of themselves less and thinking of their children or of their family or of their spouse more, putting others first. That is true humility. And a mother's love puts others first. And that motherly instinct does this not only for their own family, but for, for those outside of their family. You'll see mothers often stepping in, in line to, to spare a child of something or grabbing a child that's about to run out into a, a street. Not their own child, but that motherly instinct causes them to act and to put others first, even that might not be their own children. And so you see the humility of a mother's love in that. And then in verses 4 and 5, this statement that each member in the body of Christ, each member in the church, belongs to all the others. Well, mothers do this, literally. They are often the glue that holds their family together. They are often the ones that set themselves aside and have one toddler on the hip and a five-year-old by the hand, and they're directing the other two. I've seen that more than once in my own experience. And so mothers make themselves a member that belongs to the others in their family. And we see the humility of a mother's love stepping to the back and pushing their children to the front and allowing them to have the spotlight. And we see that in a mother's love, in the humility of a mother's love. Now, verses 6 through 8 get into the spiritual gifts of a mother's love, the spiritual gifts of a mother's love. And if you read this passage all together, you'll see that mothering, whether or not you feel as a mother that you have the spiritual gift, motherhood requires each of these at various times and in various ways. We have different gifts, Paul says in verse 6, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Spiritual gifts of a mother's love. Now, how many of you mothers feel like you prophesy on a regular basis? Not a ton of hands going up. That's because we usually think of prophesying as 
you know, telling the future, telling what's going to happen in the future. And a few times there's a warning that comes from a mom's mouth that has to do with a prophesying that will take place if certain activities don't come to pass. But at its root, to prophesy means to speak the Word of God. And godly moms do this every day. Godly moms read the Word of God to their children. Godly moms say prayers for their children or in the hearing of their children. And they can do so in accordance with their faith. And so, godly moms prophesy. Godly grandmas can prophesy to their grandchildren and can sort of illustrate the spiritual gifts of a mother's love in that way. Up next in verse 6 is, or verse 7 is serving. If your spiritual gift is to serve, well, if your spiritual gift is not to serve and you're a mom, you're going to develop the gift of serving. You're going to develop the habit of serving. Motherhood involves serving. Because at its core, to serve means to meet the needs of another. It's often translated as to minister. The same word gets translated both ways. It literally means to minister or to meet a need. And mothers are ministers of so many things. They're the minister of food. They're the minister of health care. They're the minister of homework. And if you put a title on moms and all the different roles that they take, many of them would be ministries, meeting the needs of a child or a husband, or a family member. Up next is teaching. And it's unfathomable to estimate how many things are taught from mother to child, from grandmother to grandchild. Think about how many things your mother taught you, from tying shoes to riding bikes to maybe how to read. In our family, our wife, my wife is, is a home educator. She teaches our children everything for the first five, six years of their education, and then we start to supplement from some other areas because, you know, once they start putting letters in math, it's no fun anymore, and so it's helpful to have some resources in that, science and those types of things, but I think about how many things moms teach their kids, how many things are transmitted, not even formally. Sometimes this is, this is just sort of organically, by example, by modeling, by living and loving moms teach. In verse 8, you get four more spiritual gifts. First is encouragement. How, how often are moms cheerleaders? How often are moms encouraging their children, encouraging their family? To encourage means to comfort, to come alongside with strength, to console, to console, sorry, to console to exhort or admonish. Sometimes that's the form encouragement needs to take. You need to encourage certain behaviors to end immediately. That would be more the exhortation side. Other times you need to encourage certain behaviors to start immediately. Get out of bed now. Get ready now. Do the dishes or the garbages now. But there's an interesting insight that I hadn't really seen before in this passage as it relates to motherhood. The word that is used there to encourage is the word parakaleo. It's a Greek word, and it's the word that is often applied to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is called the paraclete, the encourager, the comforter, the one who comes alongside with strength, the advocate. And mothers do these things for their children, and it's the same word as the Holy Spirit. It's a similar role to the Holy Spirit that mothers come alongside their children with strength, with encouragement, with counsel, with wisdom, with support. The next is giving. 
Mothers give and they give and they give. To give is to relinquish a portion of yourself, or in this case, herself, for the benefit of another. And the only encouragement here, the only exhortation here in verse 8 is that if you're giving, give generously. And mothers, a mother's love gives generously. And without strings attached, a mother's love gives generously, and a grandmother's love gives generously, and an aunt's love gives generously, gladly, not begrudgingly. And then leading comes up. And, and I wonder how many mothers consider themselves leaders. And I wish more mothers understood the leadership role that they have in their children's life. To lead is to influence. To lead is to influence. And mothers have tremendous influence over the lives of their children. Moms are leaders. And they lead with diligence. To lead with diligence means to be thorough to persist, to persevere, and to involve some intentionality. And mothers do this. They lead. They influence their children. And they seek to set them on the right path. And last but not least is showing mercy. Thank God for mothers in showing mercy. Because at least in our little family early on, I didn't, I didn't have the gift of mercy uh, always with our children. I, I had the gift of yelling And I had the gift of spanking sometimes. But I didn't have the gift of mercy. And I learned mercy from my wife. I learned mercy from my mom. I learned mercy from the ability to put myself in the role of that little three-year-old or four-year-old. And I learned it from my wife. And to have compassion. And to have the spiritual gift of mercy. And moms probably exhibit this better than most in our lives. And how to do this, how to live with mercy with each other and for each other. And so the last section I titled The Actions of Motherhood, The Actions of a Mother's Love. And this was the passage that I had originally planned just to focus on, verses 9 through 12. But I I saw this, love must be sincere and that we should be devoted to one another in love in verse 9 and 10. And I thought, well, that's, that's the, you see that in a mother's love, the, the sincerity. There's no hypocrisy. There's no self-interest in, in, in the vast majority of anything that a mother does for her child. It's for the benefit of that child. And if the Greek word that is translated as love here is agape, that means self-sacrificing surrender. Love must be sincere. It must be others focused, not self-focused. And then it's quickly added to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. To hate what is evil is to protect from evil, to insulate your family, your children from evil and from the evils of this world, and to cling to what is good and what is right, and to hold that up and move our children and our families toward that. To be devoted to one another in love, you see that in a mother's devotion to her child and a mother's willingness to lay down her life for her child, to lay her wants and needs aside for the benefit of the child. To be devoted to one another in love, to honor one another above yourselves. You see children, mothers honoring their children by, by willingly sacrificing their own needs for the needs of their child, to esteem and to give value and to give preference 
for their children above themselves, over and above their own needs. Think about your mother and think about the times in which she honored you above herself. Even though the commandment is to honor your father and mother, even though the commandment is for children to do this for their mothers, we see mothers do this all the time. Now, verse 11 and a few of the verses that follow say easy and do hard when it comes to motherhood. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And every highlights that this is a daily commitment. Motherhood and a mother's love is a daily commitment to serve God by serving the family, to never be lacking in zeal. I mean, I just got to be honest with you, sometimes parenting is tough, and it is so daily, and sometimes the zeal starts to lack. As Andy Stanley has famously said, parenting, in parenting, the days are long, but the years are short. And so there's this dual pressure, the, the length of the day, combined with the hindsight that says, man, this time is just flying by. John Acuff has said not so famously that toddler days are 42 hours long. <laughs> if you've had toddlers or you have toddlers right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Somehow the two and the four just flip-flop. But I can tell you, like, by the time those things are teenagers, it feels like the days are 2.4 hours long. It feels like time is just flying by, and you can't believe how quickly one season leads to a next and one year leads to the next because the days are long, but the years are short. And so it can feel really difficult in the moment to never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. But I think verse 12 gives us some tangible insights in how to pull this off to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. How many prayers do mothers say for their children? How many prayers do grandmothers say for their grandchildren? And we get a window or an insight into a mother's love through them and through their willingness to persevere, to never be lacking in zeal, to keep their spiritual fervor, and to serve the Lord, to serve their families. And verse 13 kind of reminds us that share with the Lord's people who are in need. Well, the, your children are the Lord's people, <laughs> believe it or not. Your children are the Lord's people, so you share what you have with them. You share your energy, your time, your talent. You share with the Lord's people who are in need, recognizing that our children and our families are also the Lord's people. And yet, how many moms serve outside of that? How many moms serve in careers? How many moms serve in nurseries and children's ministries and nonprofits and give of their time and their talents and their abilities and their energy to serve others who are in need? Now, blessing those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. It may feel like you're being persecuted sometimes, especially if they're teenagers or toddlers. I don't know what it is about those two groups. But somewhere between 2 and 4, 2 and 5, and, and 13 and 17 or 18, it can feel like persecution. And yet, a mother's love doesn't, doesn't stop being a blessing to that, to that person who's tr struggling, even though they live in their own house. And so we rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. And mothers model this as well as anybody, to celebrate the little wins 
whether it's riding a bike for the first time or acing the test or getting into the college. You rejoice with those who rejoice and you mourn with those who mourn. Maybe you didn't get picked for the team. Maybe he broke up with you or she broke up with you and mothers are there to mourn with those who mourn. And all of this leads into verse 16 and probably 18 that coincide with it to to live in harmony with one another. And mothers model this, to not be proud, but to be willing to associate with people of low position, literally. Oftentimes, children have low position, and yet the mothers are the ones that get down on the floor and look them eye to eye and relate to them and associate with them and model how to live in harmony, teaching kids to do this well. As verse 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And if you can see your mom doing this, then you're going to be more likely to pick up these habits and these abilities. Now, verse 17 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And I thought, how important it is that mothers are careful to do what is right in the eyes of those little ones that are looking at them, of those little ones that are watching them and learning how to react to various situations and various circumstances throughout life. To be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. The actions of a mother's love, pay attention to that. Honestly, verse 19 through 21 were a little hard for me to apply directly to motherhood or to a mother's love. Other than, as we've mentioned, maybe toddlers and teenagers sometimes. (laughs) But they're not your enemies, and you know they're not your enemies, and so you keep feeding them, and you keep giving them something to drink, getting them another glass of water. Not to heap burning coals on their head, but to show them that love is a choice. Love is a verb. Love is an action. It's a decision of the will. And so our bottom line today is that a mother's love is a window into God's love. A mother's love, a a godly mother who loves God and is seeking to raise children that will love God, a mother's love is a window into God's love, and it's a window for those children. It's a grandmother's love sometimes, or an aunt's love, or a good friend's love that can be a window into God's love. The unconditional love that we see a mother having for her child is a window into God's unconditional love for us, which is infinitely greater and infinitely deeper and infinitely wider. And yet a mother's love is a window into God's love, but it's also a whiteboard. It also shows and makes clear and teaches us how. And so if we think about a godly mother in our own lives, we think about somebody who was a godly mother to us, whether it was our own mother or whether it was somebody else, a teacher, an an educator, a volunteer at church that came into our lives and was a window and a whiteboard for God's love in our own lives, not only showing us what it looks like, but showing us how to do it. I would encourage you to reflect on this, to reflect on who was that for you, and give them a call and tell them thank you. And guys, I would encourage you to thank your wives and to let them know just how much you appreciate the many ways that a mother's love has blessed your own children. 
And may we all walk out of here grateful for those who have been in this role for us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We thank you for mothers and we thank you for motherly influences, for those who have been a window or a whiteboard in our own lives to show us what your love looks like, to show us how to live and love and do it well. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to celebrate those people, to thank those people, and to be those people for someone else. Because in reality, if we take Romans 12 to heart and we seek to live a life of love, we can be windows into your love in the lives of others. We can be whiteboards, each and every one of us. Make it so, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.